to you by the Parthenon Podcast Group. Find your favorite music podcasts only on Parthenon. This week, you're guaranteed to find 84 interviews with Wednesday 13 or Snake from Skid Row. Or find your new favorite podcast. How about Love Plus One, the Haircut 100 podcast. Or Gotta Move On, the unofficial Pseudo Echo podcast. Only here on Parthenon Podcasts. Thank you to Parthenon Podcasts. Welcome to the Signals from Mars podcast. I'm your host, Victor. Coming on over from the Mars Attacks podcast. We are all new, brand new, on a new network, new show name, no confusion anymore. Have a great chat coming up for you today with some of my patrons. Let's go. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, episode 301. So we're continuing from the numeration, the numbers from the Mars Attacks podcast, uh, because we've only really changed the name. And okay, so we've changed a few other things. But uh, yeah, so glad to have you guys here. Today's episode is me chatting with my patrons. For those that have been keeping track or maybe not even keeping track, the first hour of the show I like to call Hour Zero. Patrons come on. We talk about different hard rock and metal news. Uh, There are people that enjoy hearing music discussions. So we try to fit the bill with everything and give you guys some of that. Give you guys interviews. Uh, There are interviews coming up, which I hope that you guys will be excited to hear who I have on the show and what I have to offer. Now, I'm really going to try to up my game with everything and hope that you guys come along for the ride. Uh, In any event, today's episode, we're going to talk about my recent interview with Mr. Mark Striegel, SiriusXM personality, host of Talking Metal. I didn't say former there because maybe there's something in the works, but uh, you're going to have to check out my Patreon podcast to hear all about it. The Victor M. Ruiz podcast exclusively on Patreon The new Patreon address is patreon.com forward slash signals from Mars. So almost everything has changed over to that. All the old Mars attack stuff is still there, but uh, there's updated stuff with signals from Mars now. So follow all that great stuff. Have uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Twitch, so on and so forth. Speaking of Twitch. We've started up doing Trivia Tuesday once again. Uh, that happens exclusively on Twitch. And the reason that it does, it's the only platform that allows me to provide you with an easy way to do multiple choice trivia, where all you got to do is tap on your screen or move your mouse over and click on the answer that you think is correct. And it's a lot of fun. Some swerves in there. Some people that are antsy and answer ahead of time. Losing points uh, or winning big, big risk, big reward, big loss. You know, one of those deals. But 
yeah, it's a lot of fun. So that's Tuesdays on Twitch, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern at the moment. We'll see how that progresses. Uh, I changed the times a few a few months back only because it seemed like more people were coming in at that time. Then after I make the switch, a lot of the casuals started to drop off. So don't be a casual. Come in and be a diehard. Play. Win prizes. So there you go. And uh, what else? Yeah, so this show is a replay, the audio version of last Friday, October 7th. Hour one, Signals from Mars live stream. And um, we basically talk about, like I said, the Mark Striegel interview. We talk about the change in direction with the show, some of the different things that I'm going to be doing uh, as opposed to what I was doing in the past. I ask, is the world really clamoring for a Dave Mustaine, James Hetfield team up? We talk about that. We also talk about a hypothetical supergroup coming out of big four bands that would surround these two. And uh, also we wrap things up with discussing Vivian Campbell and how the Dio camp through the recent Dio biography, uh, well, the movie and the book, how they're now downplaying what uh, Vivian Campbell provided to the band. So, I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, you have to think. Letting personal feelings get between the music, what really took place. And, you know, is that what the fans want? You know, I understand that people want the dirt. They want, you know, as the Motley Crue book is aptly um, titled. But do, do we as fans want to hear... Vivian and Wendy Dio continuously go back and forth. And at this point, kind of beat a dead horse. So we talk all about that during the episode. If you want to become part of these episodes, at least the first hour and the patron discussions that we do once a month where we get together, vote on albums, vote on bands, vote on different things, and then discuss. If you guys want to be a part of that, just Join Patreon. You can do so for as little as $2 a month and be part of all that great stuff. Uh, real quickly, I do want to send a shout out to my patrons before we decide to not decide. We have decided we're going to listen to last week's discussion. But uh, yeah, let me just give a thanks to the patrons who help keep the lights on, per se, around here. So um, I want to welcome two new patrons. Want to welcome Chris Sinzak from the Despo Geek Podcast and Antoni Espin from over here in Spain. Uh, thank you for coming aboard. Thank you for giving this show or my patron, my Patreon page, a shot is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, also, want to send shout outs to all the other patrons Gene Eugene DX, Anthony Mackey, Ed Ferguson, who's on the show. Johan, who's on this show, Metal Dan, Jose, who chimes in from 30,000 feet on his way to Chicago, who ran the uh, Chicago Marathon, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Congrats on, on doing that. Uh, we have from the Chris and Amanda show, Mr. Chris Vaglio. We have the Metal Dentist, Gabriel Ruiz. We have Mr. Yarg Metal, 
who I will be meeting next week in person. Hopefully, if everything uh, works out well and and knock on wood, Brad isn't lost at sea, <laughs> I will meet Brad for the very first time. We have Mike Jones. We have Jeremy Weltman, who's part of the episode. We have Twisted Steve Hoker. And we have Steven Saylor. This is the way they appear to me on screen. So thanks all of you guys for supporting me. Thank you guys for listening. As I like to say, there's a million other shows you guys could be listening to, but you choose to listen to this show. And I greatly appreciate it. In any event, let's get on with the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome everyone back to the Signals from Mars live stream after a few weeks off here. Uh, I'm your host, Victor, and we have joining us Johan in Sweden. And Hello, Ed- everybody. Oh, sorry. Hello, Johan. And we have uh, Ed Ferguson joining us from the bourbon capital of the world, Kentucky. Good evening. Good evening, folks. And. Good uh, early uh well what would you consider it early afternoon for you afternoon late afternoon early evening okay late evening time to start eating dinner (laughs) yeah but we got to put that aside and talk music first talk some music talk some metal talk some hard rock talk some in in your case some extreme metal which is uh I, I always make sure to post the extreme stuff on uh, Patreon because I know that Ed appreciates it. Johan also does. There's certain things that I post on there that's on the extreme side that you like as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, first off, I wanted to get you guys um, live reaction. Uh, did you guys get a chance to listen to the interview I posted earlier this week with uh, the one and only Mark Striegel? Yes. Absolute yes. Yes. What did what did you guys think? Um were were you happy to hear Mark was back? Do you uh Ed, do you follow him on Sirius at all? Um or are you not a, a serious uh, subscriber? Yeah, I, I don't subscribe, so I don't hear that. Um uh, I see him on his Facebook mostly. Right. I check in with him from time to time just to say hello, and he usually responds back and lets me know how he's doing. And sounded like he's pretty happy. Yeah, uh, it's nice. You know, you're all anybody's going to be happier when they have uh, some good work to do in their life. Absolutely, and especially when it's something that you enjoy doing. Uh, yeah, he does. What he's doing right now, I used to dream of doing when I was a kid. Right. You know. Yeah, playing with records all day long. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm happy for him. Cool. Johan, uh what do you what did you think of the interview? Uh good to hear from Mark. Uh he uh he seemed happy. Uh he was s- s- not the same Mark that we started perhaps listening to back in uh the day, but uh yeah, he seemed 
happy and uh, uh, I have a lot to say about this interview, but I have hard to translate it in uh, in English. But uh, he seemed happy, but not completely. Uh, but sure, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot that we talked about off air that he's working on. So I think Mark is similar to a lot of people. Like, um, like I think the three of us here, where we're into music, we're into a lot of different things, and I think we're all kind of striving for something else and not just comfortable staying put. So I think that's what Mark's whole thing is that he's he's happy with what he has, but he's also got other things that he's working on that I mentioned this today during the during the Patreon episode that I released today, where what's next if it comes off will be huge. So I I you know I don't want to say more than that, but if if what he has planned works out, I think everyone who has ever followed him in the past is currently following him now will be extremely happy. So I'll leave it at that. Um, Jeremy, I want to welcome you to the show as well. How are you doing, sir? Yeah. Hi. Can you hear me okay tonight? Can hear you perfectly fine. Look at that. Cool. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Jeremy, did you get a chance to listen to the interview with Mark? What did you think? Yeah, yeah. I thought, well, I thought it was a good enjoy hearing Mark again. Um, I thought that, you know, it was interesting to hear what he's up to in about Talking Metal. hope Talking Metal does come back, because obviously he mentioned that you know, if he was too uh, interested in it, then, you know, he might bring it back at some point in the future, and that, that might be quite good. Um, to him over in the UK, you know, doing his, what he's doing now. Um, because interesting stuff that that he's doing there with all you know on the music side. Um, I, I thought he sounded happier, but then I've heard you know other people saying that um, they thought he was a little bit maybe a little bit less, less interested in in talking to you. But I think he he obviously had a bit of a sort of source out, and um, you know, but but it was good. It's good to hear from him. Uh, I thought it was, uh, yeah, it, was it was a good good interview from from you. Cool. Yeah. Um. In, in fairness, too, the it took us a little bit to connect because we tried to do it via restream, like we're doing right now, and it just wouldn't work. His phone, the the there was too much delay. It kept cutting out. Like every. Out of uh, 10 words, maybe three would come through. We tried with his laptop, and then we fi- I finally said, look, I'm just going to call you up. We'll do this over the phone, old, old-fashioned style here. And, you know, ultimately, as much as I would have loved to get the video to share that up on Patreon, uh, the audio, I think, is was where it's ultimately at uh, as far as that's concerned. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the... Uh, how how it all worked out, but uh, cool. Glad you guys had a moment to listen 
to that. Um, for those that are joining us, for those that haven't been on Patreon checking out uh, some of the, the things that I've been working on, um, the format of the show will be changing a little because usually we'd go over new releases and stuff like that. I do want to touch upon some of the things that came out today because I do think that today was a massive day for new releases. Um, but I've moved all that to Patreon. So the list uh, of the new releases uh, is there now. And as part of my Patreon exclusive podcast, I give reviews of uh, various albums that come out. I try to do four each week and give like a brief rundown. So for today, um, I did discuss the new cult album, Lamb of God, Bush, Wednesday 13, Ginger Wildheart and the Sinners, Lost Society, and the new Queensryche. So, um, I, I again, I did a, a fairly quick rundown of all of these. And the Queensryche is the one that really sticks out to me the most. Um, the three songs that they released, I thought the first one was pretty good. The second song, Forest, which is the ballad, which is like, sounds like Pink, them trying to do Pink Floyd to me, just kind of didn't speak to me. The third song had all these keyboards and it was okay. I think I've kind of warmed up to that one. I've had the, um, uh, the, the promo copy for the last few weeks. So I've been listening to this album quite a bit, actually. And I'm happy that it's out today. I think that the album is their best since Empire. I do think that every album with Todd Latore, they've kicked it up a notch and they've gotten better. And I do think that this one is a home run from top to bottom. Outside of that song, Forest, I think I like every other song on the album. So if you've ever been a, a Queensryche fan and don't have a hang up of certain members being there or not being there, I definitely think it's something to check out. So um, anyone, uh, has anyone checked out any of these albums that I mentioned? Ed, I know you were talking up the Lamb of God songs as I was posting them on Patreon. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to that album today at all. Uh, not today. I've been listening to it for a few weeks, you know, the tracks that they've been releasing. Um, and I think it's. Uh, I think it's the best work I've heard them do. I, you know, I've not been a huge fan of theirs. Um, when I listen to their early records, I think the production kind of turns me off a bit, even though I can tell they're a talented band. But over the years, as they've been able to uh, probably make more money and uh, produce better sounding records, and of course their songwriting's gotten better over time. And uh, I think it's all coming together for them on this record. It'll be a good jam this fall, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really fair assessment. And I've seen people post similar saying that it's possibly their most cohesive album start to finish. And um, I don't disagree with that. I definitely think it's their best album since Wrath, probably, which is probably my favorite album by them. That's my uh, other thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a similar deal. I think it's got the most amount of, and not to say that any of the albums are bad, it's just that that really has like five, six songs that really stand out to me. I do think that Art Cruz brings a lot to the table here. 
by kind of touching on the legacy of the band without being Chris Adler behind the drums, because Chris Adler's a very busy drummer who fills every single note with something. I think art in a lot of places um, is kind of playing uh, in the groove, in the pocket where he's letting like the guitars come through more and without filling every kind of every single note coming through, I think that's helping propel the songs. And I'm not, that's not to say that, you know, Chris Adler's a bad drummer or anything like that. I just think that Art Cruz is bringing something different to the table while still playing within the band's wheelhouse. So I, I enjoy it. I, I think that it's, I have to listen to it a few more times, but I do think that uh, on the first listen and listen, listening to those singles, as you mentioned, I do think that it's quite possibly the strongest album top to bottom that the band has released. So I'm I'm happy with it. Um, Johan or, or Jeremy, have you guys listened to any of the new albums that have come out today? Johan, have you checked anything out? <laughs> no, I'm sorry to say. Uh, no, I haven't. So uh, back to Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's fine. Jeremy? Check out the, the, the Queen's Rock. And I've checked out the, the cult album, of course. Um, I, I thought it was a really good album. I think it's gone back to the early days. Um, they looked the first couple of albums they ever did. So we got that, that sort of very gothic sound you know, to the album. Um, I thought some of the tracks were, it, wanted, it was an album the more, you know, I want to hear it again. Again, I want to turn it up. I probably want to buy it on vinyl and play it properly. I think there's only about eight tracks on it as well. So again, it was um, and the and the fairly you know fairly short, you know the six or seven minutes, but I think most of them are around the sort of three four minute mark. Uh, so it's a cushion type of album. Um, but I thought it was really stripped back and and interesting. The guitar world. It was more that sort of you know that that stuff that you hear on a on an early uh, cult album. Yeah, I was impressed with it, really. Um, sounds like a band that's matured and really just wanted to go back and what they used to do. Yeah, interesting. Eight songs, 35 minutes. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that makes perfect sense. I, you know, when I when we look back at and I know Anthony Mackie's going to get a kick out of this. When we look back at Def Leppard's Diamond Star Halos, almost 80 minutes long, <laughs> that dud. Um, I, I think back at those early Van Halen albums where I could fit an entire album on side one of a cassette. You know, if I was, if I was copying the album off of a friend, it, you know, I would have two Van Halen albums on a cassette, one on each side. And sometimes that's all you need. You know, at the end of the day, if it's, again, if an album has five to six good to great songs on it, it's a, it's a good album for me. You know, so eight songs, 35 minutes. That's all you need, in my opinion. Because again, these bands, a lot of these bands are going to go out and they're not going to play these songs. 
You know, so what's the point? You know, a Motley Crue, a Kiss nowadays, if you're only playing one new song, just record one song. That's it. Don't don't go out and do, you know, like Def Leppard did, 74 minutes. And then you're playing, what, three songs out of that. Well, just record those three songs. You know, it just doesn't doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me. So, um, yeah. Uh, are there any other albums that are coming out that you guys are excited about? Um, and our next week we have new albums from Skid Row, Alter Bridge, Orianthi. There's um, Orden o- Ogan. I think I always pronounced that incorrectly comes out later this month as does the iron allies album which is um herman frank and david reese who were in um except at various different points in time new devon townsend demo uh demo bogier also comes out later on this month uh therion any anything stand out to you guys out of what i've mentioned or anything else that uh, you guys know that's coming out that you guys are Excited about Jeremy? Anything that uh, piques your yeah. interest? Yeah, definitely the Skid Row album. Because you on that last week in a British rock magazine, they gave it nine out of ten. Uh, oh wow! And, and from what we've cited by it as well, so I just think it's going to be you know, a good old fashioned, old school type album. Uh, to listening to that one. Yeah, I will say that that album was definitely recorded with the first two albums in mind. Right. So if you're a fan of the first two albums, I would say it's it's for you. But the one big caveat with that is I would say that you're missing that one big huge like anthem. The album is good, top to oh, bottom, yeah. but there's no what put those albums over the top. Youth Gone Wild. Uh, the song Slave to the Grind, um, even the ballads, you know, things like that. There's there's a lot of stuff that um that that made that got those albums on radio or on MTV or things like that. And they're good albums. They're really good albums. They're great albums to a lot of people. And I think that if you enjoyed those first two albums, that uh you'll enjoy this new album as well. Um, real quickly here, want to say hello to Bill Elam, who checked in a few minutes ago. And yeah, it is not checking. It does not show up. It, it has you listed as Facebook user. So uh, I'm, I, I'm glad that you clarified that for us. Uh, Johan, anything that's coming out shortly that you're excited about? Yeah, you said uh, Therion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be heaven or hell with Therion. <laughs> okay. Um, fantastic group. Uh, I I love and I hate them, but uh, they can make excellent music and they can make bad, I guess, music. But um, yeah, Therion, uh, very exciting group. Uh, group or or what do you call it? Uh, it's not a group, but it's a project. Project, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I like them. 
for most part, I like them. So um, that's the group I am looking forward to to, uh, to hear something new. Yeah. And Therion, don't they tie into uh, Celtic Frost somehow? Oh, I wouldn't know, Victor. Uh, Celtic <laughs> Frost. I only heard <laughs> the album back in the day. I heard one album that had one song that was very scary. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, <laughs> I never listened to Celtic Frost. Okay. Have you had? You did? I've, I've never really jumped into the band, but um, um, Ed may be someone who's checked yeah, out yeah. Celtic Frost, I would imagine, is what, Cold Lake, the one album that everyone hates by them? Yeah, their first uh, two or three are good, and then they really kind of went off the rails after that. So I've never listened to much of anything they've done after maybe that second or third record. I can't quite remember it. I'd have to go back and look at that discography to remember. Yeah, yeah. I Uh, think the fourth album, everyone complains that all of a sudden they tried becoming Motley Crue out of the blue. Yeah. With the look and the third record, they had that one kind of hit about what Mexican radio, and then and then uh, and that record was way different, but it was still kind of okay. And then after that, I think they lost a lot of people. Even that Mexican radio is uh, that's a cover. That's an old uh, song. Yeah. But those those first two albums they put out before that should be Mm -hmm. in every you know, thrash metal fan collection. Uh, Ed, anything that excites you that's coming out? Uh, Looking at your list, of course, I'll be listening to the Lamb of God more. Uh, I'm excited to hear the Goat Whore. Um, I've been a huge fan of a record they put out in 2014 called Constricting Rage of the Merciless. It's like a perfect uh, blend of metal and hardcore it's got a lot of energy uh all throughout the record um and that has gotten me to check out some of their other records and i can tell they've kind of changed their their sound here and there so i'll be interested to see you know how this record compares to that one that i like so much the uh you mentioned lost society today in your podcast yeah you know that's not a band who's uh style i would like a lot but i've been really impressed with that album especially the way it was produced yeah when i listen to it in my car you know i've got some uh a cabinet in the back in the trunk with some 12 inch speakers and you know i eq that album just right and man whoever you know some of these new records that are coming out even if i'm not a big fan of that style of metal just listening to the way they're producing this stuff it's it's like uh, being in your own uh you know, upgraded theater having right. that uh, surround sound. I, you know, I've been hearing about the Atmos right. uh, productions, you know, that some of the uh, producers can, you know, they can get some of the old tapes from these bands and do that Atmos right. uh, production. And um, I, there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon as far as how they're producing this, these records. They're going to take, uh, take them to a whole new level of, of fun, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that the, um, they're releasing creatures of the night next month and it's going to have Atmos remix 
of the album. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah. yeah. Well, that should be uh, cool. Anything else that I listed off that's coming out in the next few weeks that excites you? Um, you know, I, I can't quite remember. Um, okay. You've listed a few videos that I've enjoyed. And when I hear something I like that you posted, I put it in my iTunes library and listen to it throughout the week. Right. I'm still listening to the Megadeth pretty uh, compulsively. Okay. Um, that's that's a, a record that I'm having the urge to play over and over again, which is mm-hmm. nice when that happens. Uh, I haven't felt like that about an album since 2018. So it's okay. nice to have another record that every two or three days, I feel like I have to play it again. Right. It's always, always fun. I'm still listening to Uh, now you're cutting out, Jeremy. <laughs> oh. You said now now you're still listening, and then it cut out. Now you're still listening to the Megadeth, I'm assuming is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah yes. Um, I really like it. It's really good album. Okay. So what do you guys think of Dave Mustaine mentioning uh, about a week or two ago that he still wants to get together and record something with James Hetfield? His his words were to the extent of the world wants this. And I'm wondering if the world wants this more than Dave Mustaine in his own mind wants it, because it just seems to me like he's 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 off his rocker. And and, and I'm thinking, you know, um what do they record with Dave? Is it Lulu part two? You know, is is it uh do, do they call it Moo instead of Lulu? Um, do they have him redo Memory Remains and and Dave does uh Marianne Faithful's part instead of uh you know, m- much like that Megadeth did um uh what was the song? A Tu Lamon, they did it twice with Christina Scavia the sex the second time. Do do they redo Memory Remains with uh could you could you imagine Dave Mustaine handling Marianne Faithful's parts? But uh, anyway, that's out of me being a jerk with that. Uh, what do you guys think? Does does the world really want a Dave Mustaine James Hetfield collaboration? Johan, what do you think? Uh, I think yes. Uh, why not? Uh, what's in there to lose? Uh, James Hetfield needs help to write songs. Uh, and why not by Dave Mustaine? Uh, okay. I think it's, I mean, why not? It's, it's a great idea. Okay. But, I mean, what, what hurt does it make? It? I mean, it's, yeah, do it, please. Why not? So, That's so my, you- so you would say that the the last few Metallica albums uh, lack something that perhaps Dave Mustaine could help fill and help make better. Yeah. Yes. Don't you think? Um, personally, I would take Death Magnetic over anything Megadeth has released since United Abominations. Just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, but you know, 
two people getting together, something can happen. I don't know, but uh, uh, there, perhaps Megadeth and Metallica are two bands that are, you know, lacking of IDs. But uh, why not? Why not? Okay, it could be good. It could be bad, but <laughs> try. Why not? <laughs> it's fun. Jeremy, that's why. It... Go ahead, Johan. Sorry, I cut you off. Okay, Jeremy, what do you think? Do you agree with Johan? Do they do they need one another to help? Uh, you know, revitalize or or bring each other back to the forefront. I almost has a, a sense but I don't at all I just no reason for it uh, neither um, I can see what Johan's saying that we, we we could just get to hear something but it's all going to end up in a fight on, on the floor and who, who's going <laughs> to um, you know that bit and, and you know they, they, and, and it's going Gonna get very bloody, and and it's gonna you know it's all gonna end in. I think they should just back off from it. I don't really need it. I mean, make it the new Megadeth album. I think the latest Metallica. You know, it's not been the best that they've ever. Um, I I just don't. I'm not yearning to hear something new together. But like Johan came out, obviously I'd be interested to hear it. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Okay. Yeah, Jeremy, you keep cutting in and out there. Um, I don't know what happened. At the the beginning, your connection was brilliant. And then... (laughs) I'll come back. Okay. Ed, what do you think? Do they need one another? Are, does the world need uh, these two to, to pair up? And, and where would Lars fit into all this? Because let's not forget that outside of two songs, Lars has been involved, has had his fingerprints on every single Metallica song. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I wonder that part too. Uh, yeah. They don't need each other, but you know, if they could get along, I sure as heck would love to hear it if they make the right song. I mean, like a thrash metal song. If they give me, you know, 90s era Metallica or Megadeth, then I'll be ticked off about it. (laughs) Uh, You know, give me something that shows the world how badass you guys really are. But I'd like to know who's going to back them up uh, band-wise. You know, Dave Mustaine has to do the solo. I'm sorry, Kirk and his wah-wah pedal cannot be anything anywhere near that. (laughs) And then... uh, yeah, I can't say that I'd rather hear Lars over Dirk on drums either. Well, uh, I could I could handle Robert on bass though. Right. Uh, yeah, I, w- I want to hear it if if they'll just you know keep their tempers in check. You know, they both have you know those type A yeah you know dog personalities with hot tempers and yeah, but you know. As you get older, you can kind of, well, not everyone. Some people get worse as they get older, but some people learn from their hot-headed mistakes as they're earlier, and they can get along a little better in latter years. Hopefully they can. 
Yeah. Um, just a quick hello here to Jose, who's flying out to Chicago and is listening to us at uh, 30,000 feet. Thanks for uh, joining us and hope that uh, this hour helps your flight go by quicker. But um, yeah, so interesting point there. You started putting together a band. So yeah. It just it just happened right now. It just happened right now. So let's 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 Go. run with that. So so if we're we're putting a band together, and let's you know let's let's do the usual um, rhetoric. If if we're putting a band together with those two, and we're taking components from members that are currently in the big four, um. Who do you, who do you have on drums? You mentioned Kirk would or Dirk, excuse me. Dirk, um, yeah. Would would Dirk be your choice, or would you go with Paul Bostoff or Charlie Benante as as the drummer for that unit? Uh, not Paul. Uh, his style wouldn't fit what I imagine hearing from Dave. Dirk, either Dirk or Charlie, but I, I'm really loving listening to Dirk especially on this new record. He's one of the reasons I love this new record so much. Okay. And, man, his, he's, he's my favorite since Gar was in the band, as far as a drummer that fits with Dave's style. Right. That's what, who I'd want to hear. And, and that's an interesting point because he's someone who's played a lot of different styles, also produced a bunch of different bands and worked uh, behind the boards as well. So I'm sure that he was well studied before making yeah. the transition over. So that that makes sense. Um, Johan, who would you have on drums for Dave Mustaine and um, James Hetfield? Would you have Dirk? Would you have Charlie? Would you have Lars? Or would you have Paul Bostoff? <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> That's a hard question to answer uh, right off. Uh, 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 can I think of that for a moment and uh, yes. Jeremy can answer? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Jeremy has an answer. <laughs> Jeremy, let's see how your sound is and let's see what your pick would be. Can you actually hear me, first of all? Perfect. <laughs> okay, let's hope less. Well, uh, um, I probably wouldn't want Lars on unless, you know, um, you sound to it. Um, I, you know, I'm not a massive drumming fan anyway. You know, the drum is in the background and I'm not like you, Victor. And I know, I know drumming is very, 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 <laughs> so I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Jeremy plunging the knife through my heart here. Go ahead. I'm keep done, going. I, know. I apologize, but you know, um, same, same. Okay, um, Johan. So it's it seems as as far as uh, Jeremy's concerned, we could he could put a laptop back there because it doesn't matter who would be back there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's yeah. let's hope the crew doesn't lose the laptops. But uh, <laughs> anyway. Not yeah. quite a machine, an actual drummer, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, the sisters of uh, Mercy Drummer, Dr. 
Tap, whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, no, but I thought of a drummer that I okay. like to watch, at least. Uh, it could be a drummer from, he used to be an Axel Woodpell, but uh, he's, in a, he's an American. Uh, what's his name? Bald oh, guy. With uh, uh, Mohawk, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Tirano, 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 Tirano. Yeah, but we're going with big four drummers. You have to choose between those. Between yeah, between Charlie, between Paul Bostock, Charlie, uh, yeah, Charlie, absolutely, okay. Charlie. Yeah, okay, okay. absolutely, yeah, yeah. See, I was, I thought I was easy with three choices, and then you're you're pulling an audible on us and and pulling guys that uh, out of other bands. It's fun <laughs> to pull out, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Now, if you had said Dave Lombardo instead of Paul, then I might have chosen him. Which is why I wanted to make it hard on you. Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ed, going back to you, what big four bassist would you pick? Would you pick Robert? Would you pick Frank Bello? Would you pick James Lomenzo? Or uh, who am I missing? Or uh, Tom Araya? Would, would, would would we need a a three a three uh, person vocal attack here? You know that's something. I, really, I want Tom on vocals on this one, and yeah. uh, let's put. Uh, I like Robert on bass, but I you know Frank would be good too. I'd have to think about that. It, it would depend on you know the song they write, mm -hmm. whose style would kind of fit with that more. But either one, I'm sure, can handle it very well. You know, you know they that's, both have a good thunder yeah. bass style that would work well with anything they they would write. You know, that's that's interesting that for as much shit as Jason Newstead got when he joined Metallica, uh, Rob hasn't felt any. I don't think he's gotten anywhere near as as pressured on or, or dumped on from fans of music in general um a because he's not taking over for cliff because i think any regardless steve harris could have taken over and he would have been dumped on you know by people but um i think rob has that pedigree coming from suicidal tendencies and yeah. you know a lot of people just seeing how well he plays the parts that yeah. uh that, that i think uh, people haven't had issues with it as a result. Now, had they have stuck with Bob Rock, that would have been a different story. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about fish out of water. Um, yeah, Robert's got the fundamentals from his roots. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's that's totally true because he's. I mean, we've we've seen him. He's it's it's on tape, for, you know, per se. Stuff he's done in suicidal stuff he did in infectious grooves. He can play a lot of different styles, much like what helped Cliff Burton become as great a bass player as he did. Is that he wasn't into just hard rock and metal. He was into a lot of different things, which helped expand his playing so that it blew so many people away because of that. Because he was able to bring something else to the table that, uh, you know, um, that a lot of his contemporaries weren't doing. And that's why I think he was able to leave a lot of these people in awe around him because he wasn't just, Oh, the only thing I'm going to listen to is maiden priest and diamond head. 
you know, he was listening to par Parliament Funkadelic. He was listening to, you know, Bootsy Collins and, you know, uh, George Clinton and, and other huge 70s bass players to help form, you know, his style. So that what you're saying to me makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeremy, for you, what bass player do you go with? You go with Frank Bello, you go with Tom Araya, or do you go... Well, James Lomenzo or Robert Trujillo for this super group. So we can't. So we can't pick Brad Dahl. No, we can't pick Brad Dahl. Oh, what a shame! Because he would have been my top man. Definitely Robert, because I've seen him live a few times. Well, quite a few times, and I, I always quite enjoy stage as well as you know his playing ability. Uh, I just think he, you know he'd knit into that kind of. I mean, I'm sure, sure some of the others would. He's just my favorite to watch, so that's... Yeah. Okay. Johan, out of, out, of, uh, out of those four guys, we're not looking at um, Pino Palladino or, or, or anyone like that outside of uh, the big four band. So uh, which, uh, which one of those four would you pick? As a bass player, bass player, yeah, for for that band. So, um, in Frank your opinion, Bello. Frank Bello, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, there you go. So, a bunch of uh, interesting mixes. Uh, this for me would be very hard as well because the Robert and Frank thing. I think either one, that there's no wrong decision. Um, maybe Frank because he's. He's bringing more uh, vocals along to the whole thing, and it would be an interesting mix there. Uh, Charlie would obviously be my drummer. So, um, yeah, cool. See? So we, we started... Uh, how, did we, how did we get here? But uh, <laughs> inter interesting conversation nonetheless. It, you know, I'm surprised that after those big four shows, that they didn't do anything like that, that they didn't, even if it was just for like an EP, like a one-off song where all of them were, you know, contributing somehow and doing a song with, you know, members of all the bands and, and maybe having, you know, multiple songs so that they could have, a you know, everyone in every band is, appears on one of the songs, four tracks. You know, different bass player on each, different guitar, different lead guitarist on each, different rhythm vocalist on another, different drummer. You know, would 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 fans of thrash metal have bought into that, or do you think that that's too much of a um, I don't know, just just um the, the word that i'm looking for escapes me but it like a fad i don't know would would people just think ah you know this is just a throwaway thing you know i'm i don't really care about it ed do you think people would care about something like that that's a good question uh they might for a brief moment but <laughs> it probably wouldn't be lasting yeah right just it just be something you kind of remember back on from time to time Right. I remember that time when they did this or that, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but you're right. You don't really see that much of that kind of thing. 
at least among that generation of bands. I think you see it a lot more now is you've got a gluttony of bands out there and they're all trying to market themselves. And so right. you do see a lot more song titles that say featuring so-and-so mm-hmm. on the track, you know, from another band. But not so much in the bands that we've grown up listening to. Yeah, and that's funny because I think the first band, at least metal-wise, that I remember doing that was Sepultura, who way back when had like Jello Biafra on um, the Arise album. They did Biotech is Godzilla, which is an old Dead Kennedy song. And I think they were probably the first band, at least the first that I remember, to do something like that, you know, without... Obviously, counting stars where Dio tried to do the metal, you know, we are the world type thing. Um, but really, I, I think you're right where they're having, you know, the, when the 90s came about, I think people were more open to it, but maybe because other genres of music were doing that. You know, you, you look at uh, hip hop and rap. I mean, I think since the 80s, they were doing that where they would have like uh, another like guest artist come on and and, you know, just wrap some uh, a few lines away in a track. And there you go. Featuring, as you said, featuring, you know, LL Cool J or featuring whoever. I, I think metal took a little bit longer to kind of adapt. And and yeah, I mean, outside of Metallica's really only done it with what Marianne Faithful. Well, and I guess on the um garage inc they did two day tuesdays gone with like eight different people but that was because the original skinner track was kind of like that as well so that kind of made sense um johan do you think if if a hypothetical band like that would get together would people care or would it only be a novelty there's the word i was looking for would it be something that people would would listen to once and say, okay, that's cool, but I'm going to get back to listening to, you know, the usual stuff that I listen to. Ah, it would be a cool headliner for the summer festivals in Europe, mm-hmm. but uh, nothing else except, except if they had uh, great songs that they made, mm-hmm. but that would uh, not probably be the case. But uh, so, yeah. For one summer, absolutely. Okay. Jeremy? Yeah, I pretty much agree. I think it depends on the songs. I mean, it, it depends on if they did old, old songs, if they did covers. The three different types of thing there and can put together just to do covers and, and you know, uh, older stuff. You know, I'd like it as a brand new operation, you know, brand new you out then that that would be more interesting okay and uh the last thing that i wanted to bring up tonight um i saw mark make a post on facebook about how vivian campbell has been kind of um i guess wendy dio is is downplaying his importance in the original dio band and I guess the documentary wasn't flattering towards him, and neither has his uh, has the the Dio book either. Um, we talked about a few weeks ago about the importance of Holy Diver when it came to 1983, 
And I mentioned this on that post that to me, those first two Dio albums are head and shoulders above everything else that he did in his catalog. Mm-hmm. I mean, those to me are up there with what he did in Sabbath and some of the stronger Rainbow stuff. Um, without those two albums, I don't think that we hold Dio in the same esteem as he would have uh, had he have just dropped off with, you know, mob rules, let's say. So um, as much as I bitch about Def Leppard, as much as I bitch about Vivian Campbell, uh, I personally think that they're really not being fair to him and to fans in general to try to rewrite history and try to make it out that he wasn't as important in that original band as some of the other people. I, I mean, again, yes, Ronnie's very important, but Jimmy Bain had a lot to do with that songwriting. Vinnie Apice had a lot to do. Sorry, Jeremy, <laughs> the drummer. Uh, Vinnie Apice, his playing had a lot to do with the feel on a lot of those songs. And Vivian, being the guitar gunslinger that he was back in the day, made sure that those Dio albums competed with the Ozzy albums, competed with the Van Halen albums, competed with you know any other band that had a hot shot lead guitarist. I, I think that Vivian, at that point in time, you could walk into you know a room and start talking about important guitarists or your favorite guitars, and Vivian would come up if you had twenty people and were going by the bands of that era. I think that out of twenty people, more than one of those people would bring Vivian up as being one of the more important guitarists to that point in time. Um, so uh, Johan is shaking. Yes. Do Do you think that it's fair that um, that now they're trying to make it as if Vivian wasn't as important to that original band and to those original few albums? Uh, if I can understand you correctly. I mean, Dio was a lot bigger here uh, than Van Halen was. Right. So, uh, I mean, Vivian Campbell is, uh, I mean, it's for me and I think for people in my age and uh, uh, musical interest, I don't think anyone has any doubts about his uh, oh it's so hard but uh, he's so important it's he's right. he's one of the best absolutely uh Vivian Campbell is uh, uh I don't see the doubt here did they have a doubt about him yeah yeah yeah. Was, well, uh, yeah, whole, yeah 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 the whole thing that's coming out is that Wendy Dio is downplaying how important he was mm. in the beginning. Yeah. And, and his and, tone in the yeah. in the first two albums are no. I that's uh why did you say that? It's 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 a shame. It's uh right. yeah. No, it's terrible to say that. He's uh for me he's uh, one of the biggest guitar heroes. Uh in the 80s, absolute fantastic, yeah. yeah. Jeremy, what do you think? The 
the problem with all this is that there's a there's a backstory to it, isn't there? The, the two of them fell out, fell out um, over money, I think it was, wasn't it? Over right. getting paid or whatever. This dispute has, has come into the fore, and it's not really a dispute about him or his contribution. It really, it's a dispute over who was paid what and uh, why they, they fell out. Um, so that's that's the story. Um, really, there's no argument. I mean, um, Johan's put it put it succinctly. You know, he's, he's great. Two fantastic albums, great, great riffs. Um, I've seen. I saw Dio at the time. I saw those songs being played live at the time, and I've also seen Last in Line playing them as well. Fantastic today as they did then. Um, so that's always a measure, isn't it, of how good live, uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of close. Um, and some of the best songs that Dio as a band, as let's not forget that the, the Dio name is on those albums, but it's not, it's not Dio the, the person. You know, you, you've mentioned by, by mentioning all, all the rest of the band members. Yeah. Yeah, Ed for you, someone who's uh, you know, uh a guitarist yourself as well, much much like Jeremy. Um I'm assuming that as a, a young guitarist, you've wanted to emulate some of those songs and want to learn whether it's riffs, whether it's solos, you know. Yeah. I'm assuming that Vivian was a big part of you wanting to you know, learn or or even maybe continue or pick up the guitar oh yeah yeah i uh you know he didn't have the status of an eddie van halen or randy right. rhodes but you would never hear a guitar player or even a classic metalhead you know friend of mine growing up not think that he was one of the best and hold him in very high regard and you know his personality from the way he plays is all over those records mm -hmm. and uh you know she's just she's being a sharon osborne here yeah. <laughs> uh, if she's i haven't heard her doing it or seen the documentary but if it's true that she's downplaying that which i've heard about her doing that in the past it's it's mm -hmm. yeah it's not right um yeah he's great i still love listening to his playing um I've been uh, I like I've been trying to learn how to play the last in line song lately <laughs> and just so impressed with his um, creativity. Like when you get into trying to learn his guitar solo. Right. And um, they're uh, that last in line band that Jeremy said he went to see. They're actually coming here to uh, where I live in November. So me and a friend are hoping to go check that out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm mainly going to see Vivian. I'm going to go watch, watch him play. Yeah. It's unfortunate that Jimmy Bain isn't around anymore. Cause I, I, mm. again, I think that first last in line album is so much better than the second one because Jimmy had, you know, if, if nothing else outside of his bass playing, he was just a great composer. Uh, he helped write so many great songs for rainbow for Dio um and for others along the way and 
some of the lyrics he wrote as well, because again, uh, yes, Ronnie was the main lyricist, but uh, Jimmy helped write some of those lyrics as well. So sometimes you just need that guy to add a little salt and pepper to that, to that recipe to just take that recipe to the next level. You know, it it isn't always just about, you know, that, that piece of meat. It also has to do with how you season it. So um, I'm trying to get some uh, food references in there for Johan. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's a shame. And, and to me, look, uh, I love the stuff he did in Sabbath. I love those first two albums. Vivian played on the third one, which I don't think is as strong as the first two. Um, the album, I'm not a fan of Craig Goldie's work in the out al- uh, with Dio. It's just kind of boring to me. Um, no disrespect to him because I he seems like a nice guy. Every interview that I've heard, um, the stuff with Tracy G, I really like as well. It, it seems as if. When he left Sabbath, he always came back to the Dio band with heavier music. So those first two albums after he did Dehumanizer, which are lost or excuse me, Strange Highways and Angry Machines, I think were very heavy with Tracy G. I know at the time people didn't like Tracy's playing because he did a lot of um, things that were maybe atypical for your usual uh uh, you know, uh, guitar hero. The album with Doug Aldridge, I think, is cool too. Chase, uh, chasing the no, killing the dragon. Excuse me. Um, but again, I mean, I heard on Decibel Geek a few weeks ago where they asked, you know, who who would put out a better catalog, whether it was Dio or Ozzy. And for my personal opinion, I would have to say Ozzy's material has been stronger for a longer period of time than the Dio stuff was. I, I think those first two, again, uh, Holy Diver and Last in Line compare with anything that Ozzy put out. But then after that, I'm not sure that anything is as strong as Bark at the Moon or Ultimate Sin or you know, No More Tears or even um, um, No Rest for the Wicked. I, I don't, I'm not sure that I would I would compare any of the other Dio stuff as, as strong as it was to some of that Aussie stuff. So and a lot of that again has to do with Vivian. So Dio should have tried to get Jake E. Lee when Sharon got rid of him. He would have been a good follow-up to Vivian. Yeah, there were rumors I remember that um that they had looked into something like that. Did they really? I've never heard that. Yeah, I, I may be mixing it up, or maybe it was Ozzy trying to get Vivian, or it was one or the other. I, I don't remember. But a, a lot of that comes down to, again, no, no, I don't want to diminish Rowan Robertson as a player, but it's not that he, as a 17 year old, he wasn't at the same caliber that Vivian was, you know, Vivian at 19 or 20, however old he was when he hooked up with Dio was already playing with sweet savage for a bunch of years. 
Mm-hmm. So he was already, you know, honing his guitar skills. Whereas Rowan was, you know, he was probably Vivian at, you know, 16 or 17 years old, exactly what he was when he, when he played on that album. So um, there's, there's, there's a lot, again, there's a lot to say about the nucleus that they had and and how they wrote those songs as Mm -hmm. opposed to just plugging in pieces that ultimately, you know, may, may or may not work to Sharon and Ozzy's credit. As much as I may like or dislike an album, I think that they've always gone out and found the best musicians that they could at any given point in time. So whether you like the music or not, you know, if you look at uh, Black Rain, uh, if you look at uh, Scream, if you look at maybe the last two albums, sure, they're not going to compare to Blizzard or to Diary of a Madman or some of the other albums that I mentioned. But it isn't as if, the, it isn't like David Lee Roth who all of a sudden decided that he was bringing in a guy that he used to jam with back in high school to record an album, which is what he did for Your Filthy Little Mouth. And it's, you know, okay, Steve Vai, Jason Becker, no name. You know, it's one of these things where, yeah, you 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 kind of have like a bar that you've set. And unfortunately, yeah, I get it. The novelty again, we're going with a 17 year old with a Rowan Robertson, but he didn't have the chops at that time. Rowan's a ridiculous player, but at that time, I don't think, you know, it was the right fit personally. The album isn't bad, but I think once you got, again, once you got the strange highways, you got a Tracy G who had been playing in LA for the longest time, played on that World War III debut album. And it's a, it's a different ballgame because he's writing with someone who was a big-time guitarist or a bigger guitarist anyway. I don't know. This conversation could go on for hours and hours. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I do want to wrap things up now. Jeremy, any parting words? Not much. No, I wanted to go in uh... Everything I want to say. Okay, so, yeah, that's it. I'm going to listen to some music over the weekend. Cool. Awesome. Johan, any uh, parting words? Uh, well, good to see you all again. Fun <laughs> to uh, speak again at midnight uh, about rock and metal. So, it's, uh, yeah, all over the world from USA Absolutely. to uh, Spain to UK. So, yeah. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Thank you for, for joining us, Ed. And I do have to say that Ed is responsible for me uh, purchasing my second ever copy of the Trick or Treat soundtrack. Oh, yeah. That's what I've been studying. Yeah, it isn't released. Or actually, I, it was released, I think, a week ago. So uh, I'm, I'm testing the waters to see if ordering something from Ireland, which is technically okay. the, the EU, if if there's going to be any problems with customs, we'll see. But, You're getting the orange vinyl. Orange vinyl, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got mine in last week, so I'm already spinning that album. Every time the leaves start to change, I get the urge to play that record. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there there's several albums this time of year that I've got to put in a playlist. You know, that just right uh, fit this time of year. So uh, yeah, good to see you guys and. 
you know, play play your music over the weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Absolutely, and and Ed just uh, coming up with all types of ideas for us to talk about moving forward. So there you go. He ends the show with the topic talk about uh, at, at a uh, date to be determined. So um, I want to thank you guys for joining me, Johan, Jeremy, and Ed. I want to thank uh, Jose and Bill Elam who are in the chat. I want to thank anyone who watched this live or anyone who's watching or listening to the replay. The uh, Signals from Mars live show and podcast are back. Um, I've got some interviews lined up. And I hope that you guys will be happy with how the show will be evolving. And if not, I've always got an open ear to uh, listen to uh, any of your comments. So uh, anyway, thanks, guys, once again. And we shall see you next time right here on the Signals from Mars live stream. See you, folks. Oh, can't get the, <laughs> the horns in there. There we go. Thank you for listening to the Signals from Mars podcast. You can subscribe to the show on all your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and more. Go to signalsfrommars.com for more information. This concludes our show. 